0: There was a uh, conversation in the Discord recently, Clay, about the spookiest episodes of Star Trek, and I think, mm. I think Star Trek has a couple creepy episodes. Um, I don't know if I would put this one right up there on the top of the, the creepy list, although it does have some some haunting imagery. Maybe I don't. I don't know. What did, did you find the uh, did you find the aliens kind of spooky in this one, or were you uh, unimpressed by it and thought it was kind of cheesy?
1: Yeah, the, I mean, wandering into a room full of uh, suspended dead bodies is never a pleasant experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> would you have um, handled
0: it like uh, Hoshi and just screamed? Or would you, would you hold it against yourself if you'd have let loose with your true emotions about it? <laughs> Pro- probably not. <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking about Fight or Flight. It's the second episode of Star Trek Enterprise. So let's take a break and we'll play a quote from the episode and then we'll be back to break it down. I detected a stellar nursery
1: along our present course. I saw one once through the big lens outside Anchorage
0: A closer view might alleviate some of the crew's tension
1: What's the matter? The tension bothering you? Not in the least Must be great not to let things bother you No remorse No guilt What if they were Vulcans? Think you would have reacted the same way? They weren't Vulcans. I said, What if they were Vulcans? Would you have just left them there, hanging like slaughtered animals? Don't you think maybe you would have taken them down? Tried to figure out who they were, made some effort to contact their families.
0: We don't know where they came from. It would be very difficult to locate their families.
1: We didn't even try.
0: Okay, so. Fight or Flight is the third episode after the two-part pilot of Star Trek Enterprise first aired on the 3rd of October 2001. Only a month, uh, month less than a month after 9-11, actually. It's kind of, kind of surprising that they were still airing these now that I'm thinking about it. Um, written by Rick Berman and Brandon Braga, directed by Alan Croker. The in-universe date is May 6, 2151, which is a nice little bit of information that Memory Alpha tells us. In this episode, Enterprise finds an abandoned ship filled with corpses which appear to have been used for an experiment. Spooky. I don't know. I think this one, <laughs> um, it's maybe not a great episode, but I think this is a fairly decent second episode of a show, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you think about it?
1: Well first I'd like to uh talking about credits, I'd like to point out that the consulting producer on this episode and apparently for twenty other episodes is Fred Decker. Yes. Yep. Who is the uh, uh writer director of such movies as Robocop Three mm-hmm. and uh Monster Squad. And uh he's got another famous one. But he's uh it's it's interesting to see his name pop up because he's um had an interesting career let's put it that way. this isn't the first star trek he's worked on. I don't think I think he's oh really
0: yeah i think he's i think he's written a script for something that we've done previously, but I can't remember what it is off the top of my head he was He was involved with a, a few star trek episodes i don't I think he might be a friend of Brennan Bragas or something.
1: yeah, I feel like most of his career unfortunately is he has friends who ask him to do stuff because mm-hmm. every time he directs a movie uh it it is the end of his career for the next like <laughs> ten years. <laughs> He's best
0: with an editor. He works best with an editor, I guess.
1: Sure. Uh, but, yeah, I you know, I actually really liked this episode. Um, I thought it handled uh, firsts, Star Trek firsts, really, really well um, in a way that didn't feel too cheesy and actually brought some, uh, uh, what's the word, um, it, it, it worked through the concepts uh, emotionally for the characters that i that i thought was uh really interesting because i feel like it's not stuff that that you see very often because a lot of the stuff in this episode that they do is stuff that they you kind of take for granted on on a star trek episode a general you know star trek episode but this is a lot of you know where tng they they end up on a ship full of dead bodies every other week this is the first time they've ever done that and how does that affect the crew and the captain mentally and i i thought that stuff was really interesting
0: I think they did a good job of um they do a good job of portraying that it's the first for everyone involved like the the yeah. sort of uncertainty about what they're supposed to do when they don't get an answer to their hails is kind of an interesting little right that they spend time on like do we go over or should we just go away like what what's what's the uh what's the sort of standard operating procedure that we're supposed to go through here and i i I think that they I think that this is a pretty good episode for that kind of stuff like showing how a first contact potentially is not really everything that you're expecting is is kind of an interesting idea and i also my big appreciation and i was wondering now because we have to compare everything to the new discovery and picard shows if this was a new show i think there's no my brain was trained to have the reveal of the bad aliens in this be somebody that we already know you know what i mean sure Sure. And they yeah. don't do that. We never see them. We never know what they are. Uh they're just sort of a a one-off uh alien that we've never encountered before, but it was it was nice that they the episode had the guts to not just bring back the Klingons or the Romulans or something
1: and be like, "Oh, it's it's someone you know. It's it's actually a new alien species in this one." It's funny cuz I actually thought the opposite of that. Where, uh I was thinking if this was now the sh- the ship full of dead people that they find would be a race that we know because they make friends with them at the end so it would oh, like, show sure. oh, yeah this is this is how they met the Andorians or something you yes know? yeah um yeah but I, so I al- I also appreciated that uh that they they didn't feel the need to uh fall back on that uh, I also love that that uh I love the idea that first the first contact, the first first contact that they make is with a like a slug. Yeah, (laughs) Um, you know everybody's out there with with these uh, dreams of uh, delusions of grandeur, and then you know they end up getting uh, single celled or or or, uh, small simple organisms. organisms, Yeah, yeah, simple organisms as as the things that they catch. And it's it's it seems very that at least seemed very realistic. Yeah, where it's like we're gonna go out into space and see what's out there, and it's like what have you found? a lot of dirt. <laughs> the character's name is Sluggo, that's Slug. Yeah. Um yeah, they I think
0: that w- w- another thing it kind of reminded me of was the intro to Star Trek Beyond where they're all they're all kind of bored by what's going on. Yes, like no one yeah, no one's yeah. very excited and they were expecting big things when they dramatically ended the pilot by saying like take her into that ion storm against the wind, tack into the wind right there, you son of a bitch. And uh <laughs> instead of you know, great battles or meeting anything interesting—they uh, they instead fall into, as uh, to Paul is saying, like the statistically more likely outcome is that you don't run into anybody out here. Yeah, and yeah. quickly the episode changes where they run into two new alien races. But the, ignoring that, uh, it's it's nice to just get some a little bit of characterization for people like Trip who are. Uh, not really happy with the job code that they selected and would rather be mm-hmm. the sort of security officer who gets to go down and fight things and rather than tend to the warp engines and stuff like that. But it's it's actually, on the character front, one of the strangest things about the episode is that it focuses on Hoshi, I suppose, who is not yeah. the character that you think the second episode would focus on, but she is probably the only one who, from the pilot was given a conflict that you can immediately build upon and go forward mm-hmm. with. So they do that with her here with the uh, the incredibly on-the-nose sluggo stand-in for her personality as she wants to be free and go back or whatever she wants to do. What would you think of the uh, the Hoshi writing?
1: I actually, I like that stuff a lot too. Uh, yeah, it was a little on-the-nose, that scene uh, where they're very clearly thinly-veiled comparisons of metaphorical speaking about the slug when it's uh, i'm surprised they didn't end that scene with with the, uh the doctor going are we still speaking about the slug
0: what's your name you know, again I'm sorry are you, you sluggo yeah. yeah
1: um yeah i but i but i thought i really like her character i i think she is a a a fresh character for a star trek show because it's um <clears throat> it's their first time doing this and she is not a space person and uh i thought yeah i really like the way that they've the stuff they've done with her so far and i I like that she ends up i i can't even tell you how much i appreciate that that they don't get out of this situation by shooting the ship yeah (laughs) like that they have to they like like it's as this as this was winding down part of me was like is this going to be a two-parter or something are they going to get uh kidnapped by the big ship because i couldn't i legitimately couldn't figure out how they were going to get out of this without blasting their way out of it. Was this before they, or after
0: the the other alien shows up?
1: Uh, before the other alien yeah. showed up. And then when they fire off their torpedo, I was like, oh, I love that, that they basically are shooting like, you know, a potato, uh, yeah, yeah a, a pea gun, a pea shooter at this giant <laughs> It just uh, bounces spaceship. off, it bounces off
0: the ship, yeah. Was- yeah,
1: it, like they like, the, the ship like figuratively reaches out and smacks the torpedo away. Yeah. Yeah. And the torpedo is so slow, which I like too. I like that stuff a lot. It's all pre-photon um, even, and phaser stuff, really. Maybe
0: right. not ph- phasers. I think were introduced in the pilot, but they uh, they might the ship might still be shooting lasers. I, yeah, yeah.
1: I, I don't. I don't know if the ship has lasers or phasers or anything. It yeah. just yeah. they they haven't used them yet. If they if they do, at least not that I remember. Um, but yeah, I uh, even I thought the end was really good. Like the 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 tension of this ma- massive ship uh getting ready to to drill into your hull while you're trying to communicate through uh in a completely unknown language with someone who thinks that you might also be hostile i thought for a star trek plot i thought that was a fantastic way to go at the end Mm -hmm. um once they get free and then it's just like oh i the targeting system works i can hurt them now and then the other ship Blows them up like quickly. Yeah, I didn't like that so much. That was a little. That was a little more what I was expecting. Um, that's a little more new trek-y for me. But the fact that that came at the end of such a great Star Trek uh, ex- uh, resolution to the to the conflict, I thought uh, it was it was fine. Were you getting a um?
0: I think we're supposed to get the sense from that whole uh, the ship to ship stuff is that the the alien ships are much more powerful than the enterprise is the, the obviously by deflecting the blast and stuff like that but the the other ship that comes in and saves them also seems much more powerful than they are in the first place and it's kind of a it's kind of an interesting thing that you don't you do run into it in um TNG and DS9 episodes and stuff like that where there's like su- the supremely powerful ship but it's always mm. the it's always the focus of the episode, how strong right. that ship is. And it's not just a matter of fact of, oh, there must be other aliens in space who have been doing this for longer than we have. So they must have more advanced technology. And and that's what this episode kind of treats it by. is just like the Enterprise is kind of a simple ship that can't do anything. And there are more powerful ships out there just kind of milling around that they're going to run into.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, shooting, shoot, the, the targeting systems coming back and shooting the other ship was like if you saved saved this kid's little brother from a bully and then as the little kid was walking away he runs back and slaps the bully in the back of the head yeah yeah and then like runs off but yeah you know i think i uh the the one thing i might add to the to the end of this is um i also really liked what they were doing with malcolm and i know his name now because he has something interesting to do at least in this episode he did (laughs) fix the torpedoes um, yeah, but he, he's also got a bit of like a, uh, he's sort of gun happy, but not in like a freak out way, but just sort of like we need to be able to protect ourselves kind of way. Yeah. He's, so he, 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 he does wants his to job. bring security officer. Yeah. Who's like, yeah. 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 He wants to bring the phase rifles or whatever they have, which, which is overkill. And he's, uh, concerned with the targeting systems and all that kind of stuff, which is fine. I thought that was really interesting as well. But I, but I, I think I would have liked it if there was some sort of uh acknowledgement on his part or among everybody that uh shooting yourself shooting your way out of a situation isn't the only solution yeah because the the thing at the end where it's where they they get that parting shot in at the end felt a little bit kind of weird to me where you know it it was a weird way to have this episode long thing where it's like, up, oh, we can't get the targeting systems on. And then when they finally do fire it, it doesn't work anyway. And then up oh, there now they work. Let's, you know, poke them in the ass on the way out. It, I, uh, it, it felt a little weird. I don't, I don't mind it too much because I think that what
0: I think they're, maybe consciously doing is that because this is the earliest Star Trek that we have we've ever seen they haven't quite broken away from this militaristic attitude towards things so like it is it is kind of strange if you approach this as a Star Trek show that the first thing they want to do is get their torpedo launching correct like that's the Mm. the priority that they do in this episode but they're heading out into the unknown they haven't really like they don't have a prime directive or anything at this point so they don't have an operating structure where like the rules of diplomacy are laid out for them. So I think it makes sense that they focus so on this one and in the pilot that this ship is built to be able to at least try to defend itself a lot of the mm-hmm. time. And I, I kinda like it. They they never really brought attention to it in the script, but I think it makes sense in terms of like where they stand in the timeline and that they're all still figuring things out.
1: Yeah. I think I think part of what uh made me like what they were doing with the targeting system stuff was that i was kind of malcolm was kind of starting to fill that role that i talked about in the last episode yeah about there being a guy who's a little bit more reticent and a little bit more militant hoshi does that Uh, too
0: here which is not as militant but hoshi is the voice of maybe this is not a good idea kind of thing
1: yeah but i'm I'm talking just as far as like there is someone who is more of a a military-minded person Mm -hmm. who's like maybe you know let's use the weapons that kind of thing yeah it's the It's,
0: the guy from galaxy quest uh he's like don't touch that you don't know what that does the, the uh <laughs> don't don't you can't breathe you don't know what the air is like yeah that kind of guy
1: yeah but but yeah so someone who's a little bit more on edge and, and and more ready to pull a gun because they don't they don't know what they're up against uh i don't know if that's going to continue with him this might just be a one-off uh in Restained which learned his lesson
0: from this episode yeah, in yeah. which
1: case i look forward to forgetting his name <laughs> as he fades into the background <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I, for this episode, at least I liked that conflict that they were playing with of, of, uh, you know, um, are we, are we underprepared Are is, is lack of weapon superiority going to be an issue? Is that something that's going to get us, uh, you know, get us in trouble or are there other things that are there more peaceful means of, of dealing with situations that are actually a, a, a benefit we didn't quite realize we had
0: yeah yeah i think i think for a second episode where the, the plot is relatively it's a it's a fairly simple straight ahead plot about what goes on here they find the ship they leave then they determine that that was the wrong thing to do go back and they fight the aliens and then they survive and make a friend um it does i think it does a good job of picking up on the pilot which we thought didn't really do a lot of character work in the second half i think that they sneak in a lot of character work for pretty much everybody here yeah um I really like the the flocks and trip scene when they're eating lunch together. Um Flocks <laughs> mm-hmm. is kind of a funny character. He's like the the eternal optimist, uh, uh, eternal optimist about everything that's going on and sort of unaware of uh social mores and stuff like that. And he's he's kind of an entertaining character in that way op- offering food to somebody and offering them a bite of it. Um and I think that the Hoshi stuff is good. She gets a lot. Mayweather doesn't really have a lot to do. Reed, as you were saying, gets a lot to do. Um Archer and Trip get a decent amount to do. And I think that the the crux of the character work is the continuing strife between the Vulcan sort of way, the Vulcan operating procedure, and what uh, Archer is trying to learn as the way that the Federation or the humans want to go about doing things. Mm. And I would, have, I would have thought that, you know, it's kind of surprising to me that T'Pol says that the Vulcans aren't really explorers in this and that they wouldn't do things the way that Archer wants to do, which... I think on the like if you had just told me that it strikes me as strange and probably wrong for the Vulcans, but the more I think about it, the more I think it actually makes sense that they would not insert themselves into situations where they're not sure that the outcome is going to be worth it for them mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. i i I like that they continue to carry over this Vulcan strife with the humans, and that it felt very I, again it's another comparison, but it like the the moment where Archer has his realization is kind of it's not sappy, but it's kind of like star trek tropey cliche in a way but it's also something that the new treks don't really have moments like that anymore and it's nice to have that dinner scene where he's clearly distracted by the fact that he left behind all those people and he's not going to go back and fix it and him going back is showing the illogic of the humans that the vulcans don't like but it also is the thing that sort of makes for a better uh, turn of events at the end so it's it's another one of those vulcan human situations which i, I like and i think that the series does well
1: yeah, I really like that dinner scene quite a bit actually. Um <clears throat> that in the in the the scene that follows it where they do decide to go back. Um because you've got Archer in the middle who is who is conflicted o- over what he's just seen and witnessed and then you've got uh you know the horrors of what he's he's just witnessed and then on one side you've got Trip who's uh you know kind of wide-eyed and and sad that he missed the adventure of it but yeah. on the other hand you've got uh to paul who's like see i told you you shouldn't have gone through that door yeah you know, there's a reason <laughs> there's a reason why we don't do this stuff and he has to kind of synthesize both of those those you know uh, uh point of view, points of view on on this kind of thing and and figure out what the right the right thing to do was or is and the uh the following scene when they do suit up to go back, I really liked it for some reason because it it uh, like I was saying, it does take this Star Trek thing that you take for granted of sending an away team down to go do something, and he actually talks through his reasoning of why he's sending everybody and who he's sending. This is the scene and, where
0: he's sort of circling them as they're getting their suits on. Right. Is that the yeah. that scene? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, instead of instead of just arbitrarily saying like, uh bones. Uh, you and Spock head down with with Sulu and blah 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 blah. It's like, no, he's actually. This is the first time they've ever done this, and so he's speaking aloud his his rationale as to why he's sending everybody on the main cast <laughs> to, have to fix things. <laughs> and it makes sense too, because yeah, you yeah. know, like what he's saying makes total sense. To, you know, given their jobs and given what they because they didn't go there with a plan the first time, right? You know, this time they've got a plan and they are uh bringing the people they need to do what he thinks they need to do
0: yeah it's uh I criticized the pilot for when they started getting into the action plot. there wasn't enough of the crew sort of needing to figure out what was going on because they were unprepared for it. I think that they mm-hmm. it's the series is aware of that obviously in this episode, and it highlights it a little bit more effectively than it did in the pilot. I sort would' liked to have seen that in the pilot, but they are they you know again, they don't have a protocol for this stuff yet, so everyone has to explain what they're doing figure it out, give reasons for why they want to do it. And Archer Archer as a captain is interesting because he's he's kind of mellowed from the pilot in some ways. He's not nearly as barky or militaristic as it, but he is, um, he's... Archer at least so far strikes me as the captain who is not that far removed from the rest of the crew. You know what I mean? Like he, he feels like he's a part of the crew in a way. He calls everybody by the first name in private and stuff like that. Right, right. And hes it's only the fact that he's the captain that he gets to tell other people what to do. But other than that, he kind of considers himself their equal in a lot of ways, which is different from the other captains that we've seen who always are a little bit higher up in the totem pole. And they are more uh, isolated from the rest of the crew. Picard in particular is that way. But Archer is down in the mud in the thick of it with everybody else.
1: Yeah, he he definitely they definitely are going for more of like a he's just one of the guys kind of thing. Um <clears throat> or at least that there it seems like they're trying to strip away a bit of the uh prestige of the starship captain which uh I I do and I don't like, mm-hmm. I think. I cuz I still have this still doesn't Feel like Star Trek to me in a lot of ways. Like it's it just like it's. I think it's just down to a. Um, as we've talked about on Picard a bit, it's down to like the branding and recognizable elements thing. Yeah. um Where I. I do appreciate that they didn't use any aliens we knew before and that, you know, this is a prequel, so things look different and the guns look different and they don't have the badges and stuff. I get it. I get it story-wise. But it is one of those things where I'm like, you're you're taking away so much Star Trek stuff that when I think about Star Trek, I think about TOS, TNG, Voyager, Discovery, and then, like, off to the sides. Like, oh, yeah, also Enterprise, I guess. Right. Yep, secondary. Um yeah and i mean you know whether it's the doctor being an alien that we're unfamiliar with so he kind of feels just a little bit more generic um or the phasers i don't like the phasers they feel like toys
0: they look like halo guns to me yeah yeah
1: yeah they they feel really plasticky and and uh i'm not a huge fan of them um but yeah it's it's that kind of thing where it's like i i appreciate what they're doing and i think they're doing a good job with it so far it's just tough for me to reconcile it in the uh overarching idea of of the Star Trek universe,
0: yeah, do you think some of that might just be the fact that it's a new series and it's kind probably. of probably like, yeah,
1: yeah, I mean obviously more recognizable stuff is gonna come as they you know get out there and meet more people, yeah, once they get out there and mingle in the in the uh in the school dance of the universe, they're gonna meet plenty of new people
0: yeah yeah and and Right, as they kind of tie themselves into the canon that they have, um, as they as they kind of move themselves into uh, tying themselves in recognizable things, and sort of bringing in the storylines that eventually the show is going to get familiar with, they will it will seem a little bit more familiar. You can hear the kids in the background. You the uh, it will seem a little bit more familiar at that point, i assume. But it's also you're still in that early portion of like, you're not really sure what's a character beat and what's just kind of a character doing something in this episode Right at this point. Right. You're like, well, is this I, is this out of character or not? I can't tell.
1: Yeah, there was a few of those things. Uh, one that made me, it wasn't really a character thing, but it did make my, ooh, what's this idea? ear perk up quite a bit that I guess was, I assume was just a, a one-off line, but you know, who, who's to say? When, uh, uh, is it Hoji? Is that her name? Hoshi. 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 Yeah. When Hoshi I the whole time I I thought they were saying I, like every time they said it my brain interpreted it as Soji. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's fun. Um but when Hoshi is trying to communicate with the uh the alien at a certain point she says that he he said to her um why did you show, show up 2 years ago or something? Yeah. And when, t- when she said that, I was like, wait a minute, is this some sort of like time travel thing going on here? But I don't know if that comes back or anything. But uh, it, it it was one of those things where it, it, I assume it was probably just a, you know, throwaway thing that was a miscommunication. But yeah, sure. I, she
0: mentions it as she mentions it as that it is such a focal point. You think it's confusing. But she has a line after that saying that she thinks it's just a miscommunication in the translation. Right. Yeah.
1: I, I thought it was. I I thought it was leading to another plot point. Though. Yes. So yes. I thought. I thought it was one of those things where it was like because the ship that showed up looked a lot like the ship that they had gone to. So was the ship that showed up the the, the ship that was burned out actually the ship that showed up but like from the future, right? Yeah. Or something. Yes. One of those things. But then I was like, there's like five minutes left in this episode. I don't <laughs> think they're gonna
0: get into that. Archie's <laughs> like, we don't have time for this plot line. Yeah. We need to get to the
1: end. But you know, it's still it's still some of that feeling out stuff, yeah. And and Archer is definitely going to take a little bit for me to get used to because he is such a departure from uh from the usual Star Trek captain.
0: Yeah, yeah, he is. And Yeah, I I think that the because I've complained in the previous shows or like I like the sort of um chain of command stuff that they do. I think that this show has the basic structure of that. It's just the fact that they because they're not so um streamlined at this point that people just kind of hang out with one another and there's a very informal conversational uh attitude between everybody even when they're on the bridge and things like that it's not it's not particularly um militaristic in the TNG or DS9 kind of a way and I think I think that that pretty much works and I I, obviously you have a, a sightings of a few other crew members on this who are not um main cast members they're just sort of background Mm -hmm. extras who are in the the dining hall and things like that but i i i think you're you're going to start to get a sense of like the smallness of the ship in a lot of ways too like there's it's it's not just a case of the enterprise d where you see seven people on a ship of 1200 or whatever are supposed to be on the ship like this Mm -hmm. the enterprise is actually a very small you know however many people are on it but it's certainly not a lot it's really just almost a shuttle compared to the other series
1: yeah, I actually kind of um, had the the uh, reverse response that I usually do on, on Star Trek show, where I didn't realize. So it, usually, like you're saying on on TNG, you've got this massive Enterprise, and it's like, huh, this thing is the size of like eight different cruise ships, but it's it, you only see the same ten people all the time. How? Wh- who's the hell is the, manning the rest of this ship? On this one. I uh, uh, I was surprised that there were more people mm-hmm. because it does seem so much smaller. So I just I just assumed that the crew was essentially the people that that you know already, right? Yeah. And uh, so when they had that like dining hall sequence, and there was like ten or. 10 or 12 or something other crew members i was like oh wow i guess this is a bigger ship than i thought it was yeah but at the same time it is also still a small ship
0: you always need a extra in engineering who can hand trip report or something like this yes, whole thing yeah. is just to hand over the tool or whatever to give it to the character who's going to use it well
1: it reminded me a bit of like how on deep space nine uh at a certain point you find out that the uh the defiant has like multiple heart like hallways attached to the the bridge yeah yeah where it's like it's the the defiant feels so small it feels like it's just those that that bridge essentially and then there's an episode where they're like take him down the hall to to relax room b like what (laughs) take him to the holodeck take him to holodeck
0: 11 and uh, interrogate him (laughs) for a few minutes take him past the guest bedroom (laughs) to the good one (laughs) we haven't made the bed in that one um yeah, I. The only other, the other beat uh, around this one, or the other thing, is that I do, I do want to hit again on the fact that I think that it's a good introduction to the uh, the timeline and the environment of this series. Where it's just even little comments like they can figure out that these. I don't know how how accurate it is that someone has to be bipedal to use a ladder. I would assume you could have multiple legs, but that will go with their thing about like you have to be humanoid to use a ladder. Uh, Sure.
1: I I thought it was a nice, it was a nice line, even though after she said it, I was like, huh? Yeah, well, I guess so. Yeah. (laughs) You
0: have to have legs to use the letter. They're not like uh, flying blobs or anything like that. And there's just little moments like that, I think, work pretty well. Um, The whole figuring it out with the aliens was nice. I like that you don't really know who they are. Uh, The translation sequence is pretty funny. I do continue to like the fact that this is all pre-universal translator for the most part, yes, so no yeah. one can understand what anyone else is saying. And I wonder if there are um, subtitles in the in the extras or something for this, because I wonder if they write out the script uh, line dialogue for what that alien is supposed to be saying back to her. Sure, yeah. I assume they must, yeah. It's like with those... Um, the DS9 edits where the Breen get subtitles, but they're just jokes the entire time that, that people are saying. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to talk about, fight or flight, or are you pretty much done with it?
1: Uh, I did have one uh, technical question. Do they have replicators at this point? No. For food? No. They don't. No, they don't. That's why they're so eating breadsticks. sticks there- Yeah. Well, I didn't know if maybe they just chose the only replicator matrix they had available was like Tuesday at the Olive Garden or something. <laughs> no replicator. Uh, Cause they seem to, they seem to always be eating pasta and breadsticks and you know, it's, it's bottomless at the, wait, does Olive Garden have a breadstick replicator? Is that why they give you free you get, unlimited and, and, and breadsticks? Bottomless, bottomless breadsticks. You know that's how it worked, too. If, replica- if food replicators existed, it, would t- it wouldn't it would be like, oh, wow, we can solve all of the hunger problems across the world. It would be like Applebee's getting a unlimited potato skin machine. Yeah, it would just become it it would a just buffet. Be, Every place would become a buffet, basically. Yeah, they would find some Robert Palmer song to use in their commercial to sell you to come use the... the <laughs> potato skin replicator
0: <laughs> yeah. so is there a cook on the ship there is a cook yes i don't think we know do who we, the character is
1: yet do we ever because man what an opportunity for a new character on a star trek show Ye, well neelix is the cook on voyager so oh
0: really yeah no, I, I don't know if they wanted to retread that uh again i don't know if you well in cook. that
1: case i give them credit for doing it on voyager because that's that's an interesting character to throw into a starship because usually you don't need a cook (laughs) i mean because he's
0: yeah i i suppose gynan is kind of a cook she's like a beverage cook if you want to look at it that way um (laughs) (laughs) how how advanced you think mixology goes but
1: it's a beverage cook (laughs) <laughs> I I don't know why I found that so funny. I just imagined going down to a bar and referring to the bartender as as the beverage cook. Well,
0: don't they at like really snooty bars have like they don't call them bartenders. They call them like mixologists, right? Oh,
1: yes, yes. Yeah. Yes.
0: So, that's what Guinan is of the twenty. I mean, season.
1: I have I have had a, had cocktails before that involve like lighting things on fire and then like putting them out so maybe there is some some science to it to being referred to as a beverage cook i don't yeah,
0: know a lot of liquid liquid uh nitrogen and stuff like that just to give you that nice flowing steam stuff
1: yeah if you've ever wanted to drink a glass of uh uh, uh of bourbon that smells like a, a burnt down forest you can do that a lot of places there it is
0: all right let's uh take a break we'll play another clip and then we'll come back and we'll give our final thoughts about fight or flight and read some patron comments this isn't exactly like the place you came from, but it's close enough. It's not that hard to adapt. You're going to do just fine here. All right, everybody. So if you enjoyed the content today, you can support the show at patreon.com slash the file. It's the best way to do it. A couple dollars a month gets you extra podcasts, extra stuff, behind the scenes stuff. You can play jackbox.tv, all that good stuff. You can do the movie watch, which we did for uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre recently for the other podcast. And if you're a $10 captain tier supporter, you get a shout out. Special thanks go to Andrew Sherlock, Ben Douglas, Cardinal Doomsday, Chris Tinsley, Christian Michaels, Christian Pouch, Darth Mosk, David Beardmore, David K., Dwayne Hackett, Eric Johnson, HH28, Jacob123, Joint Mango, Jordan Cooper, Kevin Reyes, Cal Barrett, Mad Courier6, Matt Cutler, Matt Houston, Matt Ross, Mike Burnett, Nathan Elliott, Neil Brennan, Rick, Nick Sergi, Robert Cummins, Russell Owens, Samuel Custer, Grim Santos, Sean, Stephen Minton, Tark Latif, Tom Howells, Vault 13 Hero. Thank you very much for supporting the show. Much appreciated. And now we'll go to patron comments. If you're a patron of the show at a certain tier, you can leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes and we'll read them. The first one is... i got to find it. Matt Ross says, fight or flight, the start of the whining of Hoshi with a slug stand-in that's a bit too dead on as a surrogate. Hoshi's negativity hangs over every one of her scenes like a dark cloud, and her desire to be anyone else is completely at odds with her joining a deep space exploratory group. Dr. Phlox's positism is, mark- is a marked contrast to Hoshi, even when conducting an autopsy. The alien encounter is interesting up until the alien bloodsucks come back to get their prey. If Enterprise is so advanced, their weapons are lackluster at best from testing to use. You also have to wonder, what do other ships use? Rubber bands. And when the Axanarians, <laughs> I think, come to answer the distress call, you have to wonder what they're waiting for. Clearly, the Enterprise is inferior. The other ship is an aggressor, so they hang back and watch for a good translation. Hoshi steals herself to continue and freeze the slug, but this is a trait that carries through most of the first season. It's a bit ridiculous. Nick Sergi says, "I love the moment when Archer checks up on Reed and Mayweather, and by sliding down the staircase, just something about that is something that only Bakula could have done." I always, I always feel like I'm mispronouncing Scott Bakula's name for some reason. It's like too similar to
1: Dracula or something. I, I always feel like it's wrong.
0: <laughs> this episode is a very good. Well, episode. if you
1: say it backwards, it's actually Alubacard.
0: Al Alucab, Alucab, <laughs> It's like uh, like that like that Genesis album. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, well, I think it's Alucard, right? Is Dracula backwards because it's yes, uh, yeah. yeah.
1: Wait, is that from a movie or is that just common knowledge? I know it from Castlevania. Uh, it I I think it appeared originally in a movie like way way back. Okay,
0: and and do you know what the context for it was? A character named Alucard, or was it Dracula in disguise? Just called himself Alucard.
1: Yeah, I think it was. If I remember correctly, I think there was an old one of the old dracula movies featured dracula in disguise as alucard <laughs> <laughs> which i mean it's one of the i mean if you it's if no one's ever done it before it's actually pretty yes fun, it's a but, great idea it, it, he's, he's yeah. lucky his
0: name his name actually sounds better backwards i think alucard is kind of a cool <laughs> name compared to dracula
1: i don't know if they i don't know if they've ever uh, in dracula canon had him refer to himself as dr acula though which i always liked yeah <laughs> This episode
0: is a very good episode, following the tradition of pulling back a bit after a big pilot episode and focusing on the crew and keeping it small and intimate. However, when the hostile alien showed up at the end, it accentuates how little this crew knows what they are in for. I don't know. This episode might not be amazing, but it's good. Point Extra G says, Not an amazing episode by any means, and really, it's fairly average. But I think it's exactly what the show needed here, a story that isn't plot-heavy and gives us some time to know the characters. Not every episode needs to be huge with crazy stakes." Neil Brennan says, "I like the Hoshi stuff, like the Vulcan tensions, but it's all a little bit workmanlike, isn't it? If you were recasting now, surely the British guy would have been the first to get the axe, or as we cr- say correctly over here, the axe with an knee." Um, I, <laughs> I, um, I always my my memory, as I said in the uh, the first episode, Clay, is that I watched the first episode, the first season of Enterprise, and mm-hmm. I didn't continue after that. Um, but Neil's comment here kind of reminds me what I felt when I finished the first season of enterprise, I think a good way to describe it would have been workmanlike that wouldn't have been the word that I chose, but that's what Neil has kind of triggered in me. It always felt competent, but it never really inspired me to continue after the first season. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm actually more impressed with this episode now on rewatch than I was the first time, I think. And I don't know if that's just because I'm paying attention for the podcast or something like that. But did you find it workmanlike, or do you think it's a uh,
1: just a matter of settling into the series? Well, what's funny, actually, well, not not to use any humor Mower with a U, mm-hmm. who Mower, humor, humor, where you where you keep all your funniest clothes. <laughs> um, I actually had the re, uh, reverse response to this, where I was expecting a lot more of a workmanlike show mm-hmm. and I was not expecting them to to dip into some of these start the the interesting uh, firsts and and thought processes behind some of these Star Trek tropes um so it kind of caught me off guard. I don't know obviously there's only so many times you can do that so I'm assuming it's probably going to get a little bit more workmanlike but i that has always kind of been my um, preconceived notion of the show, like how I thought Deep Space Nine was just like uh, diplomacy all the time. I always thought of this show as just like this is the show we put out because we have to keep the IP going or mm-hmm. something. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, so I'm, I'm going to be interested if, if – uh, I mean if everybody else says the first season's workman, like apparently I'm, I'm not going to be pleasantly surprised. But uh, we'll see.
0: Well, I, I guess that maybe my sense would be the the story itself here is. I suppose I'd say that the story is workmanlike, right? Like it's mm-hmm. a if you had to if you had to bang out this script and it was any other Star Trek show, you would just say that was a script that just got done to sort of fill the week, kind of like mm-hmm. it, it's 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 a it holds its place and it does fine. There's nothing really wrong with it, but you're not really going to remember it. I think that. I think that all the instillatory stuff around it is the interesting part of it. Like it's what you're saying about how, where they are in the timeline
1: is what gives that the flavor that the script otherwise doesn't have. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a great second episode. Yeah. It's uh cause I mean like what, what would you want them to do at this point? You don't know any, who any of these characters are. Uh, they, you, they have no relationships with any other alien species except for the Vulcans, really. Yep. Um And it's like, are you going to jump into uh, – drop them into the middle of the temporal Cold War on episode two? They brought it up, no.
0: Clay. I want to go back. To, I want to see what this guy's <laughs> – I want Archer to have some kung fu with that shadow guy, basically, is what I yeah,
1: want. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's like I – it's just – for for a show – that is unproven at this point in a very specific uh time of the uh time period of canon uh with a brand new cast and brand new characters i think they they told a really good story
0: yeah yeah i um i would continue to think that i think enterprise's production seems the most uh sure of itself out of all the shows at this point really like the they they definitely know what they want to do, and the characters know how they want to act and things like that. It doesn't you don't have any sort of goofy moments like encounter at far point or uh, caretaker or avoid or emissary or anything like that.
1: Yeah, it definitely does feel like it's it's a, a very solid, solidly visualized show for, uh, for you know overall. Yeah,
0: Cal Barrett with the last comment says. Fight or flight—a rightfully slower second episode that draws focus on this new crew and why the work in the prequels and why they work in the prequel setting, and the show once again justifying its nature. All the character traits on display are more heightened than they ultimately become as some kind of characterization shorthand, but it works. At the end of the episode, we further understand Hoshi as well as Phlox and Reed. The plot may be a little bit, a little bit simple, with the bad guys using Kelpian-looking aliens as Viagra factories. But I enjoy <laughs> these early missions showing how alien and scary space can be. I like Hoshi in the episode, but it's only a couple of moments near the end where they push it too far, and it's only a couple of uh, moments toward the ends where, towards the end where they push it too far. But she never acts like an absolute uh, banana. And yes, we get it. Hoshi is the slug. Overall, is a that, solid is second. Is that episode. banana?
1: Is that banana with an E at the end?
0: <laughs> we're, we're bridging the divide. between it's Sometimes communicating with the British listeners is like Hoshi at the end of this episode, talking to that fish face <laughs> guy where no one can really understand what's going on. Um, Lori,
1: what's a Lori? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and don't, don't you dare say pants in front of a British person. They'll turn bright red and become very embarrassed. Um, I don't understand why that is. P- pants is me. underwear in Britain.
1: Oh really? Mm-hmm. So if you say so take your pin-
0: trousers? Yeah, you have to say t- <laughs> trousers or slacks, I'm assuming. Maybe
1: they say slacks, but well, trousers seems likely, yeah. Trousers to tr- trousers go on top of pants. Pants mm-hmm. to cover your fanny. That's right. Would you, would you well, No, but f- <laughs> I understand. I
0: know what it means. <laughs> <laughs> your, your fanny and your arse. Um, yeah, I see. Yes. So that's it for fighter <laughs> we, we should we have a section called to paul's fanny in, in, the, in the series we, i don't know that suit's pretty tight but i don't think it's that tight <laughs> um i think that's it fight or flight thank you patrons for listening thank you for leaving your comments thank you for supporting the show all right clay on our our scale of one to five what are you going to give fight or flight uh
1: i'm actually going to give this a four No, oh, interesting yeah yeah, because I I think it's you know all, all the things I said it, it was uh it was a different show than I was expecting while also kind of being the same show I was expecting mm, yeah and uh, I think it's a great second episode and and it's um it 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 did a lot of things really well I think
0: yeah I was watching it late last night and I just popped it on and it was um after the pilot which is a little bit too long it's. Uh, it's nice to get back to just a 42 45 minute Star Trek episode that's fairly mm-hmm. um, quick to get through and I it, it definitely just kind of settled like it feels like Star Trek to me in the sense that it is you kind of just like I sink into the couch when I watch it like it's just you know you're not putting a huge amount of brain power into it or anything like that and it's not like it's the uh, Star Trek Picard series where you're constantly having to like remember what's going on and where, where things mm. are going and stuff like that so it does and the storytelling means it does feel like a Star Trek episode to me I'm going to um I
1: go ahead I I don't mean to extend this show past you know the the part where we're done but uh that I I've noticed I've been watching uh we've been watching a lot of uh uh older tv lately we we just we finished cheers 11 seasons of cheers Mm-hmm and uh, we just started watching Frasier. and uh, you know I'm doing Badass again with Sean, and all of these things are very episodic, uh, and I don't, I don't feel it feels to me almost like a, a a breather away from modern TV because everything is so serialized. Yeah, like I am I have not been interested in the new season of Westworld at all at this point. Yeah, and it just seems tiring to me and stuff like that, it, it feels like everybody is doing that stuff now where I'm surprised that episodic TV hasn't made a bit of a comeback Yeah, because it, it would feel so different to do that at this point.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised too. It must – it's just – it must just be that the new style is going so well that they're hesitant to change it at this point like TV number TV watching numbers must be way way up across all the streaming networks and things like that and yeah. I think they just assume that this is the way to to go about doing it but it is it's nice to have a series where you could just stop watching it after 3 episodes and like if it disappeared you wouldn't be out of what happens to it, you know, what I mean, like if you start if you start a season of Westworld, you're like, I have to finish this to see how it's going right. to go. Um, or you
1: I mean if you if you start a season of Westworld, you have to go on the internet and re- remind yourself what happened in the first two seasons right, of Westworld. Yeah, yeah. and it's like it's fine. You know, I I don't dislike that model. I, I enjoy sequential storytelling, um, but it's it is. There is an odd comfort that comes with the episodic stuff where you can just, like you were saying, you can just kind of sit, sit down on the TV, throw, sit down on the couch, throw an episode uh, of, of whatever on, live in that space for 40 minutes, and then, you know, go do something else. Yep.
0: Yep. No, it's definitely, def- definitely, definitely true. Uh, I'm going to give this one a three, I think, because I think it's pretty good. I think it's a strong three, uh, but I give the pilot a two, and I feel like this is like a notch above it. Um, three for me, four for Clay. Clay is off to uh, obviously liking Enterprise the most out of every series so far with his,
1: his high marks. Well, so no, <laughs> because <laughs> I like like I like I kind of said um, I I liked this episode because I was expecting it to be worse. Sure, and yeah. I was surprised, and that's not to say that it is bad. And I'm like rationalizing because I do think it's good, but it is one of those I. I did couch all of those those uh, uh, compliments with me saying I don't really consider it Star Trek. <laughs> so. <laughs> so we'll see we'll see where we go from here. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'll I'll be interested in it uh, too. It's it's still just very very early. Like every time we restart the series with a new f- uh, a new series of Star Trek, it does take you a little while to recalibrate and everything like that. DS Nine was the mm. same. Uh, TOS was the same and stuff like that but we'll, we'll soon settle in that's it fight or flight thank you very much for listening you can go to patreon.com slash thepenskyfile if you enjoyed the content you can support us there patreon.com slash thepenskyfile otherwise check out thepenskyfile.com all the stuff is there there's the YouTube channel if you're so interested subscribe to everything just because some things only appear on each one And there's social media Twitter, Facebook,
1: Instagram blah 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 Clay do you have anything you want to say? Um, we got a new episode of Rotten Heart Picture Show out. Tomorrow. I think at this point, some tomorrow. Oh, sorry, yeah, it came out. It came out a couple days ago. Yep, yeah. So we're uh, we covered Peter Jackson's Dead Alive, which is a lot of fun. Um, and Badass Podcast should be coming back in a couple weeks. I think
0: sounds good. Thank you very much for listening, guys. Hope you uh, hopefully you enjoyed the content. Enterprise, let us know how the pilot is. The pilot just came out today, so I haven't had a chance to see how the feedback on that went, but. We're continuing here, going off at low warp speed into the future of this franchise. So thanks very much for listening. We'll see you next time.